Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. We are rolling and I'm just going to try something a little bit different these days with the uh, with just an audio version of the show. Um, I just... I can't get used to the video. I can't get used to seeing myself. I can't use... Uh, I just... Uh, I don't know. I like it better with the audio. Ricochet water. Try it out. Not because they paid me to say that. Only because it's the best water, the wettest water, and the tastiest water around. Ricochet water if you're in the Niagara region. It's in St. Catharines. Check it out. Okay. I've been meaning to get to this one for a long time. What I like about Trump. (laughs) This has been a long time coming, and I decided that when Trump was elected, I wasn't going to pay any attention to him. I wasn't going to waste any hate on him. It wasn't that I wasn't going to pay attention to him. I I was not going to hate him or waste any hate on him, or generate any new hate for the man named Donald J. Trump. He just does not give a fuck, does he? He, just, he doesn't care about what he says, or who thinks what of him. And wow, I uh, I appreciate that. <laughs> and he has uh, interested me in, in politics. I've never... I've never paid any attention to politics south of the border. So he's gotten me to pay attention to American politics. This is the first time I'm watching the primaries. I'm watching the Democratic debates for the presidential nominee. Excuse me. I just, I can't look away. Uh, All through Obama's, uh, never, never have I paid attention to American politics and so he's got me interested in it, and he's got me, well, I've always been interested in politics. If you know me, you know my first election was 1993 when I ran for the Green Party in Niagara Center, and I probably run almost 10 times, including leadership, and wow, the last leadership race of the Green Party was in 2006. 2006. Damn. That's a long time to not have a conversation about leadership. So I've been interested in politics since 93, addicted to it so that I can't even, I can't look away. I can't put it down, and that's transformed into uh, politics of municipal and regional politics that are close to my home, provincial politics, which is the next level up, and then federal politics, which always had my attention. I never was much interested in the political uh, levels other than federal but I, I he, wow. So he's got me interested in American politics. And I'm not saying that's a good thing, but I like to think that other people are sharing in my sickness now because I feel like it is a sickness. I can't look away. It's a little bit of an addiction. And I feel like for the first time, I'm interested in American politics. And I think a lot of people around me are also interested in American politics because they're walking. Uh, or watching and talking, it's on their lips. To, he, oh, it's unbelievable uh, how uh, he has influenced uh, my interest in American politics. And um, 
I think that's a good thing. So thank you, President Donald J. Trump. <laughs> now I have something else I need to kick as a habit or uh, learn to turn away from and, and not be so obsessed with. But uh, is is Donald Trump not one of the most entertaining guys on the planet right now? Like his his I do not give a you know what and the middle fingers in the air to everyone. He is certainly not an established establishment guy. He is bucking every trend. He's not going with, uh, what do you call it? Not ceremony, but you know, he's not, he, he's not, he doesn't care what the um, traditional uh, presidents have done and said, and he's just blowing it up. And I find that to be interesting. And, and I've got a lot of time for anyone that puts their finger in the air and tells it like they see it, whether it's truth or not. And, man, he is he he tells some fibs, eh? But I think he's, I don't know. Some people accuse Donald Trump of playing 4D chess. In other words, while everyone else is playing chess on three dimensions, he's got the fourth dimension. He's kicking it up a notch because because he's that clever. Now, I have seen instances of this where I can say he saw that coming and he, he trolled and baited those people into that. Um, but it really appears that sometimes he's several steps ahead of his op- opposition or of the people that are not big fans of his. And uh, um, I think it's interesting to watch him. So, And I alluded to this a little bit uh, previous. Everyone is talking politics now. Everyone's talking about Trump. Everyone's talking about racism. Everyone's talking about the wall, about cages, about immigration, about abortion. These are things that we really didn't have a national discussion on for a long, long time. And these are issues that need attention. For instance, he campaigned on building a wall. It's a divisive issue. You have the conservatives on the right that want a wall and want tough immigration and also that is the personality type that they're born with. Liberals and conservatives are very different thinkers. And so he campaigned on the wall. When he got elected, he had some friction about getting the money for the wall. He said Mexico was going to pay for it. Mexicans are really doing their part now, aren't they? They put a bunch of soldiers up on the northern border going into the states, and they're helping stop the migration of their citizens and other citizens that are passing through. And if you're passing through three or four countries, Take asylum in the country that you land in if you get offered it. It doesn't mean that you have to make your your way all the way to the States. But anyway, so he campaigned on the wall. He got some friction about building the wall. I think now he's got some funds to build the wall. But strangely enough, this porous border in the States has become a real conversation for the whole country and beyond. And even in Canada, we have a weak border that's undefended and unmonitored in some places. And so nothing has changed much since Obama was a president. So the porous border, the undefended, the unmonitored border in the states exists. The cages existed when Barack Hussein Obama was in power. Barack Barack Obama was a... for me, at least, a president that I had a lot of hope for, and then he delivered virtually nothing. He was divisive. He was um, 
and he still is now today. And I don't think that, you know, the president of the United States has to be a healer and, you know, a person that brings people together all the time. I think there's a place and a time for that. So we're, we're skirting around the issue here. So he campaigned on the wall. He has, he hasn't varied much from his campaign promises, his platform when he was, uh, campaigning to be president now that he's president i don't think he's backed off i think he's really stayed true to his his um i don't want to call him morals but whatever his commitments were before he took office i really feel like he stayed true not like the justin trudeau the prime minister of canada who basically got elected and then turned his back on many of the promises that people voted for number one he said it was the first it was going to be the the next election would be the first election that didn't use uh, first past the post, and that we're going to look at some form of proportional representation. That got a lot of votes for Justin Trudeau, and he turned his back, basically just lied to get elected, which isn't the first time it's happened. But Trump stayed true, and now we're having a conversation about cages, separation of family, how many people are actually coming through the border. I think in June, there was 130,000 people that came across the border illegally and that were being held in detention. Now, we weren't having that conversation under Obama. We weren't talking about cages under Obama because, well, Obama was black and he was, you know, he was, uh, he brought people together, right? He was a unifier. Um, Not really. So now I feel like Donald Trump has really help to shine a bright light on some of these issues that have been dogging us for decades that need to be addressed. There, There's a conversation about immigration, about illegal immigration, uh, especially illegal immigration, that we need to have about uh, the detentions of illegal immigrants, about the, the turning uh, loose of them into the interior of the United States. I mean, um, how long can they be kept? How long, you know, should children be kept with them? They're separated from their families, you know. What kind of people are these coming in? So this conversation never happened under Obama, and I feel like without Trump, it still wouldn't be happening, and we wouldn't know anything about it. And uh, so I think that is a good thing. People are now paying attention to important issues like immigration, like abortion, and... Uh, so uh, how can that be a bad thing? I also enjoy the fact that Trump has really helped me to see uh, fake news. Now, I know fake news is the enemy of the people. Did you see what I said? Did you hear what I said? <laughs> fake news is the enemy of the people. I completely agree, especially now that I've been made more aware of what is fake news and how the bias of traditional mainstream media is typically leftist uh, he's helped me to see that many of the news sources that I take in um, are slanted liberally that our uh, learning institutions are mainly liberal that Hollywood is mainly liberal we don't have a lot of conservative voices even the alternative media is mainly uh, mainly liberal now we do have some conservatives obviously and they're getting a lot more time because well they're so uncommon is is what i believe um but i mean there are some big 
big media organizations, and uh, and we'll include big tech in that if you want to talk about Facebook, Twitter, Google, YouTube. These, into these these big tech is left leaning. They're censoring the rights opinions more and more and more, and I think that that's hideous. I, I cannot understand how a platform are you a platform or a publisher? Like you can't have it both ways. If we're going to give you, and I say we, but in the United States, they have um, what do you call it? They can't be sued. They have uh, indemnity. Uh, uh, I can't remember the word that I'm looking for. It's weird that when the cameras start rolling, how you forget your language and all facts go out the window. In the States, you cannot sue big tech for publishing information that turns out to be libelous or uh, incorrect. And so... You, you can't have it both ways. If you're a platform, then similar to AT&T or Verizon or Ma Bell or whatever your carrier is, if I'm talking shit on my Rogers cell phone and I slander someone, Rogers shouldn't be able to be held liable for that slander. Now, if I publish uh, defamation in the New York Times or the New York Times does a story and commits defamation, then that's in print, and you're a publisher, not a platform, and that you could be held liable. There is nothing to prevent a lawsuit from um, making it right. So lawsuits make things right. Uh, you know. So you can't have it both ways. So uh, I've really been exposed to fake news Fake news is the enemy of the people, but you'll notice I have never heard Trump say that all media, that the media is the enemy of the people. And it's strange. I even heard on my local station here not long ago, one of the afternoon guys on the AM radio station saying how horrible it is that Donald Trump would say that the media are the enemy of the people. No, fake news, fake news media is the enemy of the people. And I can't tell you how many times I've seen it always coming from the left. They get the story wrong, they champion a narrative, and then they back off by saying, "Mm, we didn't actually have that right. Here's our um, retraction that no one will read. Millions of people read the original story, and then no one reads the retraction. And it's sick. So he's helped me to understand and be aware of, and actually, while I'm listening to it now, I can hear the liberal bias in in my news, and I think that's healthy. And as a result, I have stopped. I started watching more conservative stations, and I think that the conservative stations, like the Fox News, or or you know Stephen Crowder or Ben Shapiro or any you know. Anyone where I'm getting my news these days, Tim Pool for crying out loud, which says is an actual lefty. These people that don't have a problem calling out the left have an uh, have equally less of a problem, equally less of a problem <laughs> uh, of calling out the right when they do something. So uh, there's a lot to call out about the left, but there's so much to call out about the right uh, or the. When the right does something wrong, 
objective news media will cover it, will call it out, and will say, this is wrong. So uh, he's uh, made me more aware of the political bias in my uh, news, in my media, and in big tech. Um, he's also made me much more aware of what NPD looks like in a human being, narcissistic personality disorder. And we're going to do a show on this tomorrow, actually. Uh, today is Sunday, August 10th. Tomorrow, uh, Monday, August, oh, to, no, Sunday, August 11th today. Tomorrow, Monday, August 12th, we will have Elizabeth Sharma on. She's a, uh, a local mental expert, and we're going to talk about NPD, recovering from uh, someone with NPD, and how you deal with somebody with narcissistic personality disorder. Now, I'm not saying that Trump is NPD. I'm not saying he's a narcissist, although he does exhibit some very strong signals that he is. I'm not a doctor. I'll just play one on the podcast. But um, Trump has uh, is, is exposed me to what narcissism looks like. And I know that we're all on the narcissistic personality disorder scale somewhere. We're all on the spectrum, as they would call it, some further, some in the middle, some some off the scale as far as not having all those many symptoms of NPD. But I've had to learn about it, um, and it's helped me to see the people in my life that suffer with NPD. Now, NPD is a is um, a mental condition that's not treatable, and getting someone with with a narcissistic a narcissist getting a narcissist to admit that they have a problem and need help and want to change is next to impossible. And I've done a lot of research on it, and the only work that I've ever seen from any doctor or any counselor ever dealing with NPD says run from it. You're not going to change them. They're not going to get better. They're not going to suddenly have an epiphany and just say, oh, I get it. I don't have any friends. That's my fault. Oh, I get it. I never say sorry. I never take responsibility. I project all my insecurities onto other people. I've never seen an expert, either a therapist or a doctor, say anything other than get out and run away as quickly as you can. Now, some people that are listening to this have very important people in their lives, and I do too, some that I'm very close to, some that you can't just get away from that easily. They could be your parents, your your brothers and sisters, your significant other, your, your roommates, or what have you. This is serious. And this has really got me into a deep dive on the personality, um, the big five personality types, the aspects of them, and um, some of the sicknesses that go along uh, with with today's, um, we are making the headlines today. So I, I really, I like Trump. <laughs> you know what I like about Trump? All these things. He's made me a more educated person, and I feel like, and without Donald Trump, I wouldn't really be doing the deep dive necessarily on the narcissistic personality disorder. He's made it recognizable for me. I can see it in him. I can see a little bit of me. I can see a little bit of it in some of my friends. I can see a lot of it in the people that are really messed up. 
and I didn't really know why. So you know that person in your life that never says sorry, that never takes responsibility, that ne- that always is blaming everyone else for why they didn't get that job or why they were late or why the, why they're sick or what I mean there's just never ever personal responsibility and a lot of that goes back to narcissism. Identify it, learn about it, and even better, learn how to deal with it and heal from it. That's what my recommendation to you would be because once you can identify the people in our lives in your life that uh, have it uh, and then when you realize and and submit or uh, surrender to the fact that you're virtually powerless against this personality type then I think you'll learn how to handle it uh, so that you're not wearing it and uh, so I, I I get a lot of time for learning about the human mind and learning about the people around me and learning about how to handle them and recover from them if you suffer an injury. Trump, on his own, is an absolute entertainment industry. He won that first Democratic debate for the, uh, for, uh, the Democratic debate for president, for the candidacy of presidency. I don't know how to say it. He, he, <laughs> he won that debate with one tweet. Boring. <laughs> And the Democrats are hopeless. They're hopeless. They don't have any fixes. They just want to point the finger. They just want to say, you, 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 bad. Orange man, bad. Anyone that voted for orange man, racist. Anyone that voted for Donald J. Trump, um, white supremacist. Like this is the left just has nothing so that a man like Trump can win the whole debate with one word and one tweet. Boring. And I like the way he's tweeting. I like that he's the master troll. Trolling is a very um, deliberate uh, uh, attempt to get your opposition to react predictably to your, uh, in this case, tweet or your conversation. Or your statement. And Donald Trump, he is a master troll. He has got the left twisted so bad. He may be the best troll of all time. If there was a Hall of Fame for trolling on Twitter, Donald Trump would be in it. He'd be the first inductee. He's the king, the absolute king of trolling. And I find it hilarious and entertaining. Uh, it's it, Trump, again, as an industry, Trump is just pure entertainment. And I was never a Donald Trump fan before. My brother watched The Apprentice. I thought it was ridiculous. I never, I, like, I, I never, ever was a Trump fan. I didn't, I wasn't, I didn't have any feelings one way or the other towards Donald Trump. And before he was elected, I predicted it. One of the few people, I made maybe just in an offhand remark to uh, my the girl that sells me my water at Ricochet, and I said, "Do you know what? How are you going to feel tomorrow when you wake up and Donald Trump is your president?" And uh, I, I was right with that statement, and uh, he is one of the best trolls that's ever uh, lived. And I also, you know, what I, I used to be a lefty. But he 
his is making the left actually melt. He's making the left get so twisted and so insane that it's really it's drawn a uh, it's drawn them out. It's been shining a big bright light on these people. When you thought they were reasonable people, they're not so reasonable. When Trump gets them all geared up and all wound tight as a drum and then drops a bomb on them, they they just lose their fucking mind. And I, as a former lefty, the left left me. I didn't leave the left, as Dave Rubin, I think, eloquently put it. I've been a lefty for a long time. I'm still lefty on social, social issues. I'm still conservative financially. Uh, at least when it comes to politics, not with my own money. Uh, but he he has just absolutely destroyed the left. And number one for me, free speech. Don't tell me what I can say. Don't tell me I have to turn in my registered firearms. Don't tell me you're coming for my guns. Just leave me alone if it's, there is no hate speech. Hate speech is criminal speech. That's the only thing that should be, you know, should be censored is when you say go out and kill this guy or go out and hurt this guy or you know um whites are better than every other race or something like that like we don't have time for that we all agree that white supremacy is it absolutely ugly horrendous horrific it's it's disgusting and equally disgusting is the other side if you want to look at it from uh, affirmative action or harvard uh, making it harder for Asians to pass a test and easier for black people to get in. It's equally as disgusting. And this is what the left just cannot get through their fat, thick craniums is that as they call out Donald Trump for being a white supremacist and a racist and a homophobe and a bigot, they are being the same way in the name of compassion. And it actually sucks. It sucks large. So I love the fact that he is really going after um, the left with just what he thinks and says, and it has got them so freaking twisted and exposed for the racist and homophobic, intolerant bigots that they are. And I will entertain the idea that we all have that a little bit of that in us. We've all got a little bit of that, yeah, they're different from me, stranger danger. I think that's natural. I, I, years ago, I did I racist because I think we all have a little bit of racism in us. And I think it's natural and it's human to fear the different colored skin, the different language, the different religion. We want to be around people that look like us, sound like us, that think like us, that agree with us. We, normally, and this is especially on the left, the left doesn't want to have conversations that lead to a better future. The left doesn't want to talk about abortion or capital punishment or immigration in, in a functional, um, like something that moves us forward, productive uh, way. They just want to call names. They just want to say, no, that's racist. No, that's homophobic. And no, that's bigoted. So I think because the squad and these radical lefties on the Democratic, now, the radical lefties are very different from the liberals for me. The liberals have common ground with conservatives. I think that 90% of us are moderate and we're in the middle. And as you go out into the extremes, you get wacky, wacky, wacky. And the left right now is as cuckoo as the far right is. If you want to talk about the white supremacists 
or what have you. Antifa is just as fucking ugly. And I think that we we need to have some very important conversations in this country, in North America, on this continent. And I think that if nothing else, Trump has begun these conversations, maybe with a bad taste, maybe with some bad tact, maybe, <laughs> maybe he's not doing it you know, politely, but we're talking about it, and I think that's a good thing. So another thing, Trump has really rolled the conversation, and I only see that the right are the ones willing to talk about it. For instance, I am virtually unable to be, even as a former lefty, to get anyone on the left to come on my show and discuss anything topical. I have no problem getting the conservatives on here. I have no problem getting the moderates on. But the far left will not talk to me, and that's the way it goes. And we talked about this earlier. When we were talking about Fox and the conservative stations, liberals will go on the conservative stations and talk. Sorry, wrong way. The conservatives will go on the liberal shows and talk and say their piece. But the, how did I screw this up now? Yeah, the conservatives go on the liberal talk shows because they're almost all liberal. They don't have any problem getting their opinion out and saying their piece and saying, you know, what they believe. But the 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 Antifa and the far left and the radical left, for instance, uh, AOC, she hasn't done a conservative talk show. Have you seen the people that, uh, I don't know, someone even... Um, Dave Rubin, who's hardly far right, he's having a hard time getting the Democratic presidential nominees to come on the show. He had uh, Andrew Yang come on, I think, and then everyone else just gets beat up and uh, by by the far left mob. As soon as they say I'm going on Dave Rubin's show, boom, it explodes and they get talked out of it. So we need conversations. We need the left to come correct uh, to start doing more uh, debating and open conversations, not just running and hiding and saying, he, 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 orange man, bad. So this is part of the reason why the Democratic Party loses another election to Donald Trump, and he will survive his uh, first term and succeed in his second term. And, hey, maybe we'll look back on this in 20 years and go, wow, that Donald Trump guy, he was a doofus, but, man, did he get a lot of stuff done. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. It's youtube.com slash Jim Fannin. On Twitter, it's at Jim Fannin. Give us a follow. Give us a retweet. Uh, same on Instagram. It's at Jim Fannin Show, at Jim Fannin. I've got two accounts out there. Facebook, the Jim Fannin shows there. Nature's Hep still exists. And my personal profile, Jim Fannin. Touch us up. Give us some love. And we will talk to you, catch you on the flip side, on the rebound. Peace.